755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to 755 is real. We're back. We're in Kansas City. Well, I am. Uh, Eric Eric O'Flaherty. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. The lefty is out in Seattle. What's happening, Eric? Playoffs are near. Uh, yep. I'm sure everybody's ready to roll. Uh, you know, this is a tough time of the season where it kind of just uh, imagine, everything's kind of yeah. established. You're like, man, let's play some big games again. But uh, And instead you go to Kansas City and play two of the most meaningless games of the year against the dreadful yeah. Royals. <laughs> Don't put too much stock into this series. Uh, man. A lot to talk about, but first of all, Freddie Freeman, how'd you, uh, were you alarmed? Are you, he's back in Atlanta taking care of his bulky right elbow, which has a bone spur, which we've, man, we've talked a lot about bone spurs this year. Uh, yep. That's been there for a couple of years, he said, but only lately it's bothered him to such a degree that he's left early from two games in the past two weeks, including Sunday. Um, he came out, in this seventh inning after seven innings. And that's when he and the Braves decided to have him skip this two game series altogether against Kansas city and stay back and get treatment and rest and calm that thing, calm the shit down in his elbow, then rejoin the Braves for the season ending series against the Mets it starts Friday in New York. The idea being, of course, that four days of rest is what he needs in that and rehab to calm the stuff down and allow him to play you know, healthy through the three game. Cause he, he, the last time he came out of the game in Washington, he was back in the lineup the next day, didn't even take a day off. So they hope taking four days off will let him, you know, kind of get back to normal and play through the Mets series. And then of course the postseason without another recurrence of this. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, when I, I, when I was thinking he might need some time off, I was watching uh, Anibal Sanchez picked over to first, like six times in an at bat when Freddie was at first base and uh-huh. each time Freddie dove back, um, you know, when somebody's got a, an elbow or shoulder or something that's bothering them, their arm's kind of in this invisible sling. You know, you'll watch them stand up and the elbow just kind of stays close to the body and the shoulder kind of hunches. And you see him just, I could just see it was, uh, it was really bothering him, you know. And then Annabelle just kept picking, picking to first and he had to dive and reach with that elbow again. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's pretty soon he wow. just got, he got, that. yeah, he got close enough to the bag where, he pretty much said, "If you pick, I can step on it." You know, I'm not, I'm not going to dive back right. one more time. And that was in DC. Um, I could tell that it, you know, it was definitely bothering him more than he wants to let on. But you know, the thing with um, bones first too is there's there's a lot you can do. You can inject it. You could take some anti-inflammatories. You can do different types of treatments. But most of them are only you know health for, healthy for you short term. You know, it's not something you can do yeah. for months at a time or, or right. two, three months or multiple times a year. So you almost, it was kind of like my back. We used to have these things called dose packs that it was prednisone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I had one a year and my back would always flare up once once or twice a year. And, and we had that in our back pocket. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you kind of keep in your back pocket for, for the playoffs if you're a team. You know, different types of injections and stuff that if you did them five times a year, they'd tear the tissue up. But once or twice, you know, no big deal. So I'm sure they got a plan to get him feeling good again, and I'm still not really worried about it. And that's what he said, that he will not – he's not going to get cortisone because it just masks it and it makes the yeah. area around it weak, kind of what you're talking about. 
Um, so he doesn't want to get that, but he's gotten laser treatments, that kind of thing. He said it's worked in the past, but basically just the rest, let it calm down, uh, on top of doing that stuff. He thinks, he thinks, he hopes that it'll get him through this. Um, I think it was clearly a smart decision for the Braves and Freddie because he's going to come here. And if he's here, you know, it's two days today. They came Sunday night. So they would have been sitting around all day today. Monday's not going to go out to the ballpark and get treatment today. And then Thursday, uh, they travel to New York and have another off day. So it would have been tough to kind of get normal rehab. And you know, Freddie, he would have wanted to been on their play. So this way he's just backing that Fred in, uh, in Atlanta, getting treatment, getting this. So that's good. And these games mean nothing, obviously, except for possible. Uh, you know, home field advantage against the Dodgers at this point, that looks really unlikely, you know, and the Braves already wrapped up home field for the first round. So it made sense. Um, you know, this offense is just, it's a really good potent offense, but you take him out yeah. and man, it's a lot less potent. And the team is a lot less of a team without Freddie Freeman at close to his best. So I think yeah, that you was know, you- crucial to do this. Holding down the three hole is a big deal. Um, I mean, you yeah. could talk about different guys and how important they are to the lineup, but those yeah. two guys in the middle, man, it's you know your three hole, four hole guys. It's just a bigger. It's it's like being a closer or, or an ace starting pitcher. It's it's that it's that role that you know you find out what guys are really made of when they get thrown into it. So the the fact that Freddie's able to handle it so well and been doing it for so long. Um, He's the guy. He's he's for me. Like he's the most before him. Yep, he's the most important bat in the lineup, and you can see, man, with without him hitting well, how things have gone the last few weeks. It's it's a yeah. game changer. So yeah, you know they got to find a way to to get him feeling good and get him back. But you know, I mean, I promise you, he's going to be playing either way. Whether it's he have to cut yeah. his arm off to keep no him doubt. out of the out of the no playoffs, doubt. and that's why they. I think that's probably the main reason they told him to stay home in there in Kansas City, so he wouldn't feel good for a day and and decide to jump back in the lineup, you know, it's like, just stay right, home, right. stay out of the games, you know, actually take some time off. Cause he's going to have that tendency to push it. He wants to be out there. With him out, you either have Austin Riley, Francisco Cervelli or Nick Marcakis playing first base. And if it's Riley or Marcakis, obviously that affects your outfield situation, particularly if you use Marcakis there, and then you have to fill in with a much lesser defender in the outfield. So, uh, in my opinion, you mentioned him and uh, and Josh. In my opinion, it's a toss-up between whom the Braves could least afford to do without in the postseason, Freeman or Acuna. I think they couldn't go deep in the playoffs without either of them playing at close to his best. I think both of those guys could finish in the top five or six in the NL MVP balloting and will. And the Braves need those two guys, really need those two guys to be something close to regular uh, performance during a postseason if they have a chance to 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 get past the Cardinals, assuming it's them, and have any chance against the Dodgers. That's my it, opinion. When I look at that, I, see, I think you know you could lead off with a few other guys in the Braves lineup, but I don't think there's anybody else you can throw in a three hole and feel yeah feel the oh, same no, way. No, no doubt. You, you know what no I doubt. mean? That's that's just yeah. how I look at it with those two guys. I'm not taking anything away from Acuna what he's done and and like you know he sets he sets the tone a lot. He does a lot of stuff in the leadoff spot that you can't replace either, but. That three-hole hitter, man, just, I mean, the whole lineup works around um, how you have to approach it as a pitcher, everything around Freeman being in that three-hole and being who he is for so many years. And and what we've seen lately is not who he is. He's Freddie no. is two for 26 with a double, a sack fly, seven walks, and a 380 OPS in his past nine games. That's an OPS that's 11 points lower than his OBP for the season. So, 
And and here's another thing that's kind of striking here. He's gone homerless for 18 games now since the two-homer game against the White Sox. Uh, clearly, that's got to be the elbow bothering him because he's hitting 251 with a 650 OPS in those 18 games. Braves still won 11 of those 18, and the team hit 27 homers in that span, none of those from Freddie. Uh <laughs> You know, before that 18-game stretch without a homer, and he had a 650 OPS in that 18-game stretch. Freeman, in the previous 25 games, he had hit 309, 711 slugging percentage, and an 1108, 1,108 OPS. Brace went 18 and seven in those games. I mean, he's he's the straw man. Well, and that's you know that's you look at those numbers. That's kind of your big indicator of why he needs some time off and to focus on getting it right. You know, if you you see a lot of guys um, play through stuff during the season and they're still putting up their numbers, they're still doing damage. But at this point, it's kind of like you know I know you're tough, man, but you got to get right because you know just being able to to toughen the pain out doesn't mean you're able to move freely without kind of guarding it and that and just guarding yeah. something a little bit and and you know avoiding some extension things like that could completely change yeah. your swing and your production so um you know it could it could have been a fluky thing where he just happened to struggle at the same time but 9 times out of 10 it's that it's that injury that's causing the guy to really you know lack in production and and not do it you know you expect out of him and I, yeah, I haven't seen him, you know, put a charge into the ball the way you're used to yeah. in a while. I think that double was his first the, the day yeah. after he'd heard it too. So um, you just got to yeah, find a way to, like you said, yeah. extension where the bones come together. I mean, if you're always thinking about that, and you're worried about, you know, if you miss hit a ball, yeah. you know, or even if you just extend through a ball, that Overswing. it's going to hurt. Then you yeah. got to be thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's it's a lot of times it's it's just a subconscious movement change, you know, that you see a player make, and it could be with any type of injury, man. It could be a toe, and it changes a pitcher's you know release point because you're just right. you know it it all works right. on the same kinetic chain. So, um, yeah, he's got to get that get that right for the playoffs. And I think you know at this point, you know, maybe he wanted to chase some kind of numbers or things like that, and you want to chase home yeah, field. Yeah, the 40, but, 40, 40, the three, home, three guys with 40 homers, that's kind of out the door. And look, but knowing Freddie, I mean, he could easily hit two homers. That's what he needs. Yeah, he could do it. And, but, yeah, he's putting yeah. that on hold. Who cares, you know? Yeah, because at this point, you know, you got to look and say, I just – you need him. You know, I, I I don't think you're going deep in the playoffs without him in that three-hole. I mean, you could pull it off, Raking, but it's, yeah. it, it makes it a lot tougher job. At least so. being a presence. Or at, at least this being point, a presence that other people can't exploit, you know, his weakness. That's the other reason he's going to be in there, even if he's at 60%, because he's yeah. still a presence. But, um, you know, you, you the home field's kind of settled. The Everything's kind of settled at this point. So you got a little time where you're playing just a random series Thankfully against Kansas City. Yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nice. So you just rest them and, and hope it kind of calms down. Yeah, because if they had not uh, set, if they had not clinched home field, much less if they hadn't clinched the division, he'd still be there's out. No there. way you'd, there's yeah, there's no way that he would have agreed to stay back, you know, and and right. not play these two games. Um, yeah, so during a two for twenty six slide over his last nine games, and that's a stretch of ten Braves games because he also didn't play Saturday, which is also kind of alarming. He got the day off Saturday after they clinched Friday night. And then the elbow hurts the next day, you know, when he's uh, a couple of swings, he said, was just biting. But during that 10-game team stretch, the Braves have a puny 399 team slugging percentage, 715 OPS, and they scored one or no runs three times in those 10 games. So all, all underscoring what we said, his importance to this lineup, man, it just kind of revolves around him. 
Need them in there. You need them in yeah. there. Uh, the Braves have also had double-digit strikeout totals in half of those 10 games, which is not Freeman's fault. He's got a modest seven strikeouts in that in that span, which is nothing, really, uh, for a guy his, for his power. But Acuna, on the other hand, a stunning 29 strikeouts in 72 at-bats over 19 September games, raising his major league leading total to 188. The Reds' Eugenio Suarez has 184, and no other National Leaguer has more than 172. But at the same time, those two guys are pretty good cases for those who say strikeouts are just an out, and a player can be a very productive player still despite huge strikeout numbers because both of them, I mean, Acuna's batting 280 with a 366 OBP despite all the strikeouts. And, of course, he's threatening to become just the fifth 40-40 player in history. He's got 41 homers, 37 steals, 101 ribbies, a league-leading 127 runs scored. And that's and that's despite having a modest, well, at least for him, 37th in the majors in OPS at 884. Yeah, I think that's, that's just the learning curve for him. You know, you forget he's yeah. 21 years old. But yep. that's just something that that's when he's going to take the next step into being – you know, just completely unapproachable for, as a, from a pitching standpoint. You know, just have no yeah. clue how to even handle this guy once he starts taking walks. And that could be, you know, that could be two, three years down the road. It might take him another season or two to figure that out. But once he does uh-huh. with his talent, That's man. What Freddie has said too. Yeah, I, I believe that. And I look at him and, you know, it's funny, man. I came into a game when I was like 19. I came in bases loaded, um, up by one run or something in the eighth inning. This is in the minor leagues. And I got a ground ball double play, right? And I, I came into the dugout, and everybody's going ape shit, giving me high fives, pumping me up, hitting me on the back. And how immature I was when I was 19 is I didn't really understand what everybody's fired up about. I thought, you know, I didn't strike anybody out. I must have hit 95 yeah. on the gun or something. You know, that's just how <laughs> oblivious you can be as, right, as right. a younger player. So he's obviously a lot smarter than that. He's playing in the big leagues. But right. um, those are just the things, you know, I, you learn to you learn to feel good about a walk and you learn to feel good about quality at bats where for him, he's right. playing such an easy right. game. It's probably pretty boring for him to take two walks, hit a single and pop out. You know, he wants to do damage, hit homers. And and you have to learn to kind of contain those emotions and just take what they're giving you because he's still having the year he's having striking out that much. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because uh, Nick Markeka said something to me that was that was along those same lines. He said a lot of young players, especially like Acuna, hate it when they hit foul balls, you know, and, and if you're yeah. <laughs> what, and once you become established, you've been around a while, you realize you love foul balls and everything they mean, what they do to the pitcher, what yep. they do to you to keep you alive. But as a player, you know, young players get kind of get frustrated and you can see it in their eyes and then they end up striking out or whatever. But the foul balls are, he, Nick said, are, are you, those are good. <laughs> yeah. Those are things to understand. Cause even if, you know, as a, from a pitching standpoint, if you're facing Acuna, and he just fouls off a really tough pitch. And he spoiled your yeah. best pitch. And you're think, sitting there thinking, shit, I need in and out right there. I don't know if I can make that pitch again. Eventually, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to come see him. You know, Eventually, we're going to work into account where I have to challenge him and throw something hittable. And as they spoil pitches, you know that frustration builds more and more. And every pitch you see is more likely that the, the pitcher makes a mistake. Right. So th- those are yeah. just things you learn, though. You know, it's He's 21 years old. He's going to figure it out. And another thing that's, that's weird to me is – I do think strikeouts are a big deal, by the way. And and part of my reasoning yeah. is every Me single too. team is trying to stack up strikeout pitchers. 
So you can't have the logic when you're building the other side of your team that, oh, strikeouts aren't a big deal. But a lot of t- people seem to, uh, you know, kind of just say, oh, it doesn't matter if hitters strike out. Well, then why does everybody want strikeout pitchers? You know, because they, they are a big deal. And at, at, when you're on the mound and in a jam or something, there's nothing better than a strikeout. Nobody moves up, nothing like that. You know, double plays are good, too. But um, strikeouts are a big deal. And, and it's just when he cuts that down and when he when he sorts all that out and learns how to just feel good about, you know, quality at bats and walks, numbers he's going to put up are going to be crazy because they already are. And and if you're striking and if you're striking out once every three at bats or so during the regular season, imagine in postseason when yeah. you're facing really nothing but strikeout pitchers, you know guys yeah. that are filthy and you know starters leaving in the fifth inning and then guy coming in ninety eight throwing ninety eight coming in the sixth, seventh, and eighth and ninth. So yeah, yeah. and the question um, I guess is you know is it is it a priority for him? You know is it something he can just decide I'm not striking out here and he can and strikeouts just haven't been a priority for him and he could just flip a switch. I think yeah, with, I think he'll make it a priority at some point, like you I, said. I kind of do then too. He'll take it to another level. Yeah, yeah, right now he's just focused on raking and doing the other things and you know pick up one thing. This year I think he focused more on stealing, which he had not done in a lot in the past. Right. You know in the major leagues last year he didn't, and I think uh, one by one he's adding pieces to his game. He's he, he's had some stretches this year where he has taken walks. He had a couple two walk games. When he does, it's really noticeable. And, you know, that huge game, the clinching game, he walked twice, had a double, had a homer. I mean, he's an unstoppable force when he does that in the leadoff spot. Yeah, it could just be more of a focus issue and not not really being challenged. But then he steps into a playoff yeah. scenario and he makes up his mind he's not striking out. I don't think you're striking him out. Um, his OPS, again, 884, which for a normal guy, you'd love to have an 884 OPS. Yeah. That's like a career year for a lot of guys. For him, it's pretty modest, though. It's 37th in the majors. Um, and I, a lot of that has to do with strikeouts instead of walks or, or instead of uh, uh, walks, singles, and doubles. See, this is a guy that this really stands out to me for a guy that hits line drives and has blazing speed. He's only got 22 doubles. There are 59 major leaguers with at least 30 doubles. There's nine with at least 40. There's three with 50 or more. Acuna has 22. He's fifth on the Braves in doubles. It's barely half the total of his buddy Ozzy Albies, who has 42. Freeman and Josh Donaldson each have 30, over 30. Freeman has, I think, 34. Uh, Dansby Swanson, who missed five weeks with a foot injury. And 35-year-old Nick Marcakis, who missed seven weeks with a broken wrist, also have more doubles than Acuna. I know that's picking nits, obviously. Uh, His doubles go over the fence. (laughs) You know, when he stays stays on a ball and drives it to right center, uh, it's going over the fence. I think of that when I think of doubles, a guy staying on a ball, going the other way in the gap, and his balls are just carrying out of the park. Uh, Maybe when the the balls change next year, if if they are going to change him, he hits more doubles or whatever. But I think he's just too too powerful, (laughs) you know. Yeah, he's hit some that have bounced off the fence too hard. You're right. Back to outfielders. And, of course, we won't mention the one that <laughs> yeah. a double he turned into a single. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's, for the most part, he's running hard, playing hard. I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, know. there's no doubt. Yeah. When he leaves the box, they can think a double, then he gets a double, you know. Yeah. But a I lot think of those, he could those strikeouts easily... are turning into doubles, too. You know, yeah. Yeah. Pitches he's struggling with right now, staying on it and just hitting it down the line or something. He's going to hit more doubles. Yeah. I mean, ideally, like you said, you don't want your leadoff hitter leading the majors in strikeouts, even if he's incredible no. like Acuna. Not with his you speed. You turn a few of the – huh? With his speed, too. You know, you want him yeah, to yeah, yeah. get on you base on any base. way you can. 
It's hard to say yeah, that to a 40 it, homer guy though to shorten up and try I know, to pepper. I know. You know, it's a and a hundred RBI and guy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of give and take. Turn a few of those singles into doubles though. Uh, those those strikeouts into walks, singles, and doubles. That OBP, all of a sudden, you'd be up at 380 or 390 instead of 366, which it is now. And then the run scored, you might be at 140 and headed toward some records instead of the current 127, which is merely the best in the, in the National League. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's, but that's the kind of player he is. We're talking about, it's picking this, but we're talking about a phenomenal player that can break records. Yeah, I see him as like, you know, a consistent 940, 950 OPS type yeah, of guy. So do I. And it's just a, a that's thousand, just, yeah. You know, and he's going to get there because some, some you got to figure. You know, a lot of guys get called up to the big leagues at 24, 25, and they're learning on the, on the fly. They're yeah. still kind of maturing and figuring out right. all these things we're he's talking 21. about. <laughs> he's doing it at 21, man. So another three years of sorting all this out. Where's he going to be when he's 24 and he hasn't even really, you know, peaked physically yet? It's, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you look at just. It, I think it's a testament to how talented he is that you look at the seemingly unattractive numbers, the huge strikeouts, exactly on a twenty-one year old, modest OPS for him, and still has such a terrific season and be such an explosive and effective leadoff hitter. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, he this guy can set the tone for a game with the first pitch, literally, and he has yeah, many he times. Does. He does. Our Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, dear old state. Ran by Audrey Snyder and Matt Brown, airs twice weekly on Mondays and Thursdays. Matt is practically a walking encyclopedia of Penn State knowledge, and Audrey has a decade of covering Penn to her name. Visit the Dear Old State series page on the Athletic app or website and hit that follow button for updates when new episodes release. Now back to us. All right, well, rotation rundown. Let's Take a look at this thing. It's still not clear. I mean, still not certain you're going to face the Cardinals. It's almost certain, but it's not done yet. Uh, when I asked Snit on Sunday if he planned to skip a start for any of these guys this week or rearrange the rotation this week, he said, no, for now. That means that could change at any moment as soon as they have an idea who they're playing or he, they were going to have meetings. You know, I'm sure they discussed this at length yesterday on the off day, the coaches and front office and him. Um, so they could still change things up but for now if i had to guess and judging on how the rotation is currently set up this week i'd say soroka gets the game one start next thursday against the cardinals and he would be on three extra days of rest assuming he makes his currently scheduled start wednesday against the royals here and that would put if they stay in the current rotation order keichel would start the regular season finale sunday against the mets and he'd be on he'd be on uh schedule to start Game two, he'd be on regular rest, four days rest before starting on Friday. Again, that's just sort of educated guessing. Uh, does that sound reasonable to you? Yeah, yeah, I think you know. So you're gonna you got to go Soroka game one. I don't, you know yeah, you, you talk can't about look the, at the home road stuff. Home, well, that. I, you know home road whatever. Just there's no bigger factor than playoffs versus regular season. So that kind of throws yeah. all the other numbers out the window for me. Right. Uh, you win game one, it sets the whole tone of the series. And you, you just you gotta you gotta you know you gotta see him twice in the series. You gotta be able to line him up to pitch twice. So there's yeah. just there's no doubt about that. And I think you know you go with Keuchel because he's got the experience and you feel like he's gonna handle it well. Um, that three spot, yeah. man, it's uh, Fulte's been hot. He's been fun to watch. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of hard to say no to him pitching like this, you know. And I think oh, that's got to be in there. He looks like he's on a mission to to make this decision easy. You know, the last last few times out, the confidence he's pitching with, 
Um, I've never seen so many people swing over his fastball. He's got some really good movement on his two-seamer right now. Slider's back. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, he talked about that. Yeah, throwing more two-seamers, curveballs, you know, since he came back. This is a guy that's learning how to pitch, and Fulty's in his mid-late 20s. So, you know, he's going to keep learning too. But he's coming yeah. around like this, man, making the pitches he's making. I've seen him throw some backdoor two-seamers, just really pitcher's pitches because he's he's his whole life he's able to just, you know, overpower guys. But to see him yeah. start actually pitching – Man, it's it's scary how good he could be, and he's starting to yeah, show I mean, it. Remember, this is a guy. Told, Tyler Flowers told me that Fulty last year during his All Star season, he said he's got the best stuff that any of any pitcher that Flowers has ever caught, and he's yeah. caught some really good pitchers, including Chris Sale, for a couple of for multiple years in uh, Chicago. He said Fulty's stuff is the best that he's yeah. ever caught, and you know that uh, just points out how how good he is, but how much, how important pitching is to putting up pitching numbers. You know, you, you still, even with his stuff, you got to learn to pitch and him learning to pitch with that stuff is it's scary for the other teams. Yeah. We haven't even talked about how great he was in Friday's clinching win, but I think, yeah, he secured that spot in the rotation. You could have said after three, four of those starts during this run that, okay, yeah, let's see him do that again and that again. Now he's done it again and he's again. He's done it again. That was, that <laughs> I've been was saying convincing, that. man. I've been that saying that convincing. and I've been thinking that. Like, yeah, I know too. he's hot right now, but I've seen him get hot yeah. a few times. Me too. No, this is – And then melt down and have, a season, yeah. have one of those games where you go, we can't afford that in the postseason. Right. Yeah, he's been. And even if he has one of those now, one out of eight or ten is is fine yeah. with me. You know, he's, you've got to play those odds. The way he's thrown, you know, the last it's hard to it's hard to look at that and put any negative spin on it. He's it's been pretty convincing. Hey, uh, so, Eric, assuming the Braves use four starters in the division series, that'll leave the final spot to either young lefty Max Freed or the wily veteran Julio Tehran. <laughs> Do you see it? That way, and maybe, I don't know, you go with Freed if opponents have more lefty bats, or would you prefer Freed stuff in the bullpen rather than Tehran, since I'm assuming you know the odd man out of the rotation is going to be bumped to the bullpen and not just dropped altogether. They've, they've pitched too well to be dropped altogether, I think. Yeah, you know, they, they both have a start left, so you just, you know, take a peek at how they're looking. Um, Freed was, you know, Freed was in at this point where you said, oh, he's in. You know, he's making a playoff start. Right. And then he had, gave up five a couple starts in a row and, and had a couple yep. rough ones in August, too. Um, you know, it's you just go by – I'm sure they have all the numbers to crunch and everything, but you go by the matchup, how it feels. Uh, if you put Freed in the bullpen, you can use him games one through three, too, if you're not going to give him that, that four start. You know, I like his stuff out of the pen. It's nasty out of the pen. Uh, but same with Julio. You know, I've said a lot that I feel like Julio just has that tendency to step up in big games and, and rise to the occasion. So – I wouldn't be afraid to give him a start either, but yeah, you know, just kind of play it by uh, how the matchup looks, how the guy's been throwing the ball. Um, which Freed, I guess, his next one will be a big start to really get a look at that and feel for it. But St. Louis lineup is tough, man. You, you know, you're gonna have Goldschmidt in the middle there. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, you just just go by the matchups and how the guys are throwing the ball. It's I don't think it's nice that to have huge choices of, though, huh? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. I don't think it's a huge decision either way because I have confidence in both of those guys. Yeah, you just kind of you just tailor it to how you want to manage the game and try to win it. Yeah. Um, what did you think of uh, Fulty's against the Giants? Eight eight innings, three hits, one walk, seven strikeouts, and 95 pitches. That's the thing really struck me. That's such an improvement for him. The efficiency. Uh, were you surprised Snit didn't send him back out there to start the ninth when he was at 95? 
a little bit, but he's also had a you know he's had some tendencies to get tired and kind of flame out a little bit. And I think yeah. more than anything, um, if you saw any sign of him kind of like you know grasping and yeah. trying to get through it, um, you want that start. You want that eight eight inning start looking real pretty on paper, and you want right. to feel him real feel good, good about it, and you want to keep his momentum flowing. So yeah, um, not really. You know, I I thought it was. It could go either way. You got playoffs coming up too, and and he's not exactly grizzled. You know, he's he's had a couple full seasons, but um, I just thought he looked so good. And his two seamer, I think, is saving him a ton of pitches. You know, I saw the you see the line, and and you see eight innings for Fulte. You think he might have struck out eleven or twelve, but seeing seeing seven strikeouts and ninety five pitches is it tells me he's learning how to get some outs earlier in the count, and and yeah, you know. Just kind of pitch the contact when he needs to. He's still got the strikeouts, but his slider looks like his back. It's tight. It's sharp. His uh, his two seamer guys are swinging over it, and I've, I've most of the swings and misses I've seen out of Fulte have been guys swinging under his four seamer. When you can see guys start swinging over his fastball too, that means he's throwing two different fastballs. Um, he uh-huh. can throw the four seamer up in the zone. I mean, the guy's got a, an incredible arsenal. He's just you know he's growing in, learning how to use it, and there'd be no better time than right now for him to just you know, have that thing click where he's like, shit, all of a sudden I can go eight if I throw this two seam or more. And, and now he's pitching. Um, I, I just thought he looked great. His confidence looked good too. You know, he had a couple situations where he needed to get out of it. I think he struck out Longoria with a couple guys on in the third or fourth. Yeah. And he just walked off the mound. Like he knew he was going to yeah. do it. There's no fist pumping, no jumping around. Cause he knows he's going to do it. He's locked in and he's confident. Um, I like seeing that out of him too. Cause you know, it's controlling his motions and pitching is that's all it's missing with this guy. And Matt called a great game, I thought. I thought the two of them work on it really work well together when he's doing that. Yeah. He uh he uh yeah, he and he hit fifth. Snit also cited uh that he hit fifth in that previous inning. It was a long inning. Yeah. And it was just a couple of factors that Snit just didn't feel good about sending him back out there and he wanted him to feel so good about the outing and all that. So so of all people you had Josh Tom- Josh Tomlin, the kind of a Swiss Army knife of the bull, Swiss Army knife of the bullpen, pitching the ninth inning and being the guy to celebrate with with Mac after they win the division title. The guy that's in the pictures and everything hugging Mac. I mean, Good for him. appropriate in some ways because he's yeah. been so big for this team. Yeah, un, unsung hero. Yeah, it's nice. Maybe that's why Snit did it. You know, give him a little moment like that. But uh, I thought he's been a huge part of the the success of the bullpen throughout times because you got to have a guy like that down there. And, you know, long man's probably the most likely guy on the team to get overlooked, but having yeah. that guy that, that can go three, four innings, uh, he can come in and, you know, pitch the ninth. He can pitch a big situation in the sixth or seventh. Having a guy that can do all those things like that's really important for the pen. And, and it's important for Snit too, to have that guy to fall back on or feel good uh, yanking a starter early and know that you're going to stay in the game. So he's done a – I thought he's done a great job this year. I don't know how his numbers look, but he's done a great job filling that role that's not really an easy role to fill. So that's cool, you know. It's, it's cool he got to be out there for that. That's – you don't – I mean, that's cool as a relief pitcher when you get to throw those pitches. And he doesn't walk guys, and he has a ton of postseason experience, by the way, including yeah. a lot of starts, including some yeah. starts for the Indians. So. Uh, Fulte, just just to wrap up on Fulte, he is six and zero now with a two three five ERA and nine starts since returning from AAA, and that includes four and zero with a one one nine ERA in his past six. And the Braves have won his last twelve starts. No major leaguers had a streak long as that uh, this season, longer than that. Uh, not including that includes Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole of the Astros. He's got the longest, so it's an impressive run for Fulte. He's uh, 
answered a lot of critics, including yeah. us. Yeah, so. he's done everything he can. You know, at this yeah. point, if he doesn't get a playoff start, he it's not on him. It's just didn't work out. But he's done everything he, he can to um to kind of prove and that his issues are behind him. His his bone spur, his elbow stuff's behind him. Yeah, um, I'm proud of him, man, because it's you see a lot of guys go down to AAA and and just turn to shit. You know, it, it, it's a really challenging thing to swallow your ego and go down to AAA like that. And be a good guy, work your ass off, and figure it out, and turn it around. Uh, he's come back and come back and smiling and, and and pitching better. You know, it's it's it seems like it's not that big a deal, but it's really hard to, to do that. You know, swallow your pride like that. So I'm proud of him. He wasn't down man. there for a week or two either. He was no, down there it was for a, a while. you're going to AAA. You know, it's it's yeah. you're hey, it's so much fun when you go down there. You rehab and you buy everybody dinner. You get all these high fives. You're a cool big leaguer. And you buy him Ruth Chris, and then you go back to the big leagues. Yeah. But when you go down there and you're stretching at three o'clock with him too, and you got to put your pants yeah. up and follow all the sunglasses rules and all this stuff, and you're giving right. a lot of your big league freedom up, and it's hey, you're just one of us now. Uh, a lot of guys can't handle being put back on that level, and they kind of act out or pout or, you know, it it can get ugly. Uh, so it's a you know hat tip to him for handling it well and being a pro about it, and and it's paying off. All right, what hey. Uh... On another note, what do you what do you do with Dansby now? Do you seriously think of starting a Danny Echeverria in the postseason now instead of Dansby? No. Or do you give Dansby a chance to step up and just have a Danny ready to plug in if Dansby keeps hitting like he has since he came back from the IL? Actually, even before he went on the IL, he had started struggling. What do if, you do? I mean, if he goes O for his first nine or something like that, then you can yeah. think about it, but that's your shortstop, man. That's been your shortstop yeah. for, for years. And, uh, you know, his hitting's been inconsistent, but in the field, he's always been a stud. Uh, it, he makes big plays. I think about that play he made in Arizona last year. Uh, he went up the middle, threw the guy out at home. Yeah. Um, that's, Spawn and through. I, yeah. I want him at shortstop in the playoffs. I, I see him making a big play or, or having some kind of big impact. It sucks that he's hit the way he has because it looked like he really turned a corner this year. But – um, you know, that's it's a tough game, and I think he just has a, a tendency to fall into some of his bad habits, and and not he doesn't know how to fight his way out of it yet. And who knows if his foot's bothering him or whatever's going on with that? That can change your whole swing, um, your balance, and everything. But he's he's at shortstop for me. Um, he's been he's been a gamer. He's been a he's a big part of this team. You know, the who goes out there and and the vibe of this team. He's out there for me, and it, unless he's you know just strikes out eight times in a row. Uh, yeah, he's he's starting the first series for me. In his past twenty nine games, Dansby has hit. Are you ready for this? One forty seven with a two eighty one OBP, one eighty six slugging percentage, four sixty seven OPS. Twenty nine games. He's fifteen for one hundred two in that stretch. Four doubles, no homers, six RBIs, eighteen walks. And an alarming 37 strikeouts in 102 at-bats. His OPS for the season dropped from 822 to 742 in that 29-game stretch, which included seven games before he went on the IL, 22 since he got back. Yeah, it's you can't sugarcoat that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But like yeah, I, I said, good dude, yeah, I do hard too. worker. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's winner, the big kicker. Winning type player. That's the big kicker is I've been around him when he struggles. You never know yeah. it. He's the same guy at the field every day. He works his ass off. He knows how to handle failure. Um, and it, I think that's a big kicker if you're trying to make these decisions. Is like, I'm sure the guy's working his ass right. off. And right. you know he's going to give everything he's got. He never takes it to the field with him. For me, he's always um, 
he's always locked in in the field. And more than anything, you know, Petrovic is a great defender too. But I just I think that it's a really hard thing to tell a guy that's been this big of part of a group and you have to weigh it. Yeah. You know, you obviously have to make the smart decisions and stuff, but that he's not playing shortstop yeah. when he's been your starting shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I don't think you'd lose Dansby no matter what you did, but yeah. he's just not that kind of guy that's going to be selfish. I think he'd take it on the chin and understand it, but uh, I, that you got to put him out there, man. You got to see what he does in the playoffs. It's, it's tough. It's tough to weigh that, but I feel like you got to put him out there. The season, yeah, it started so promisingly, too. He was yeah. terrific in uh, April, part of May. He was hitting for power and average, spraying line drives all over the park, opposite field homers. He was putting everything that Chipper Jones, his hitting lessons with Chipper uh, in spring training, he was putting it all to use, keeping that back foot solid. Uh, he wasn't getting – that was allowing him not to get fooled. He wasn't getting out front leaning forward, so he wasn't getting fooled on those sliders away that killed him a year ago. Um Then he began to sputter a little bit, and then he hurt his foot and missed five weeks. And since he returned, he's been really bad at the plate. And he even made a couple of errors during a Giants series, which is really uncharacteristic of him. Like you said, I mean, he normally doesn't take any of that to the field and affect his defense. But he had a couple of – and who knows if it was anything to do with it at all. But you just don't see two errors in one series from him, so – his average has dropped to 244. Now his stats at the end of the year aren't going to look much better than they were the past two seasons that when sucks. the OPS under 700. <laughs> He's currently at 742, and the OPS is dropping like a rock. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's gonna you're gonna forget how good he was early on if he ends the year. You know, at 720 or five or something. You know, OPS average 240 again. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's. I think that everyone thinks he's the player that was putting up those numbers early in the year. And yeah. that's that's why it's so yeah. hard to put up numbers in the big leagues is because there's so much time. There's so much time to fall apart. You know, there's so much time to, to get into some kind of funk or a little mechanical hitch in your swing or delivery where you're just grinding for a month or two. And that month can just destroy you. That's why you respect the guys like a guy like Freddie Freeman. That just, yeah. you know, he's got yeah. the bone spur thing right now. But you see this guy put up the same numbers season yeah. in, season out at, for five, ten years. And that's why people respect it so much because everybody knows how hard it is to put together just one good big league season. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I, I feel bad for him. I, I think that he's the type of guy that's tough enough. He'll just put it aside and he'll come out to play in the playoffs either way. And you got to think it's probably affected if they were thinking about, you know, if, the way he started the season, I think there was a pretty good chance that they would have made that, uh, made a contract, long-term contract extension, you know, signed him up like they did Acuna and, Oz, and, uh, and Ozzie. But, I mean, you can't really do that coming off this year. You got you to gotta look and, and, and keep going, keep it year to year for until you, you know, you're convinced that he's your guy for long term, I think. Unless you're signing him as a you know seven twenty OPS or whatever you you know right and he ain't you, gonna, he's too much confidence in himself I think to take a real lesser deal right uh, yeah he's not gonna take I would offer it be like hey man you, right maybe, maybe you are gonna keep struggling you want to do you want to yeah. do five years yeah. twenty or something you, you know <laughs> yeah, I think you I know, know. It's no harm in floating that out there they might get a yeah. get another yeah. team friendly contract but. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't hate him for asking on a cheap deal. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just wrap wrap this up. Uh, there are job openings in among pl- uh, some attractive places, in a, uh, among other places, San Francisco with Bochy retiring, or at least retiring for now. Uh, he might matter somewhere else like San Diego. Who knows? But he's leaving San Francisco. And then Madden's probably on the way out in Chicago, almost certainly. 
it'll be interesting to see if teams come after any of the Braves coaches. Specifically, I was thinking of Ron Washington with the Giants because he's got the Bay Area background in Oakland. Uh, he would be a good fit there for a lot of reasons. That town, that team, uh, and their ability to pay whatever salary it would take to lure him from a good situation with the Braves if they want him. I mean, they're paying Bochy $6 million a year, dude. They got money. Yeah. Um, so that'd be, you know, I mean, he's getting up there. He's as older. He's older than Snit, actually, but he's the most active 60 plus guy I know. I mean, he's Wash, yeah. out there. Uh, yes. Every he's day. amazing. He's more energetic than, than coaches in their 30s. Yeah. So that would be a big hole in the Braves coaching staff for sure. He's that good. But man, you can't yeah, blame is. him if they come calling for listening. Uh, I, I was in Oakland with Wash. And we had this yeah. shortstop, Marcus Simeon, that was really struggling defensively. And Wash just, I mean, Wash put hours in with this guy every single day. And now he's, he's turned into a pretty decent defensive shortstop. Um, and then Wash, I was with Wash in um, Atlanta again. Uh, he's he's just got that energy, man. He He's one of those people that you can't you can't walk by in a hallway and not smile. Um, yeah. It, he's... Uh, He's a big part of the vibe in the Braves clubhouse, how much yeah. fun they're having. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a 10,000 running jokes with Wash with every player, you know. Yeah, and Ozzy, he's been so crucial in Ozzy's development. And look at Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he should win a gold glove dude. this year. Anybody that Wash decides to put that time in with, though, you just see yeah. their defense just Eric Chavez gave him his gold glove when he won one out in yeah. Oakland. Yeah, he's Wash is the man. And I think, yeah. you know, honestly, I think he'd probably want to manage. So, uh, yeah. Like pretty you, good one. Pretty I damn can see good that happening, and you know the Braves are a quality organization. They'd give them their blessing, pat them on the ass, yeah. and tell them to oh, go yeah, get them. Oh yeah, they always let somebody go if there's a promotion in it for them. Chance but man, it's it's you don't want to lose Wash. I, I know the you players don't want to lose him. It. You want to see that guy every day. Uh, you know, because I thought he'd be the manager in waiting here, but obviously Snit ain't going anywhere for a while. I mean, no. until Snit's ready to go, as long as his health is it maintains his health, and you know he's he's not going anywhere. So, um. And then the other one that that I uh, wanted to mention was the Cubs. Don't be surprised if you hear old friend Dave Ross. David Ross is a top candidate there. I'm hearing from some people that he is a very intriguing candidate for the Cubs. And some I had someone tell me this weekend that he's he might even be their top candidate. He's got no coaching experience, but you know what? You know, in this day and age, that that's not a deterrent that it once was. It's not even a really deterrent at all. No. Well, if you embrace analytics at all, you know you're, and you played yeah. as long as he played. Yeah. I think and the man respect that he does, and the, yeah, yeah, the managerial thing too. You know, if if you're talking about putting a relief pitcher at manager first year in the big leagues, that's probably a stretch. But right, uh, catchers are pretty much, right. especially right. a veteran catcher that's been around by the end of their career. Right. They're they're yep. pretty much bench coaches at that point. You know, I think I see managers weigh which reliever to bring in, which guy to pinch hit, moves to make, hit and run, and and it, Rossi's as good a baseball mind as I've ever been around. I don't think he'd struggle. Um, the only thing that would he'd have to you know deal with would be dealing with the media on a daily basis. But he's and great with questions. the media. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. is. But is he great? One hundred sixty-two in a row. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's yeah. He's been in a position so long where he's just been able to talk about other guys on the team and and things like that. I think he'll handle it just fine. Um, I think he's going to be really good manager, and that, 
that wouldn't surprise me at all if if he's the next Cubs manager. I, I'm trying to put a you know send him some texts here and there. You know, whenever you get your managerial job, let me let me be your bullpen coach. <laughs> let <laughs> exactly. me just hang Not out a bad down place there. To do it, huh? I'm, I'm trying to get on that ride with him. But yeah, I don't, you know, with the rookie thing, I I don't think it'd be a big deal. Um, since he was a catcher, I, I don't think it's a problem at all because you're already making all those moves and thinking along with it. But I think it's in his future. I think he can definitely do it too. I asked somebody one time about why there's been so many catchers, former catchers that have made the best managers among both sides of the ball. Yeah, and they said they had somebody made a great point. They're like, "What other guy on the team has the whole game in front of him at all times? At all times? Like you're right, you're right. Everybody, nobody else sees the whole game in front of them, you know, and works with pitchers like that, uh, you know, and 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 formulates a game plan and studies hitters and all that that catchers do. So and he's been behind the dish. You know, he's been behind the dish when a reliever comes in and panics. So right, he right. has that intuition where he can read guys and, and their confidence and things going on with them and kind of make – I feel good when catchers, you know, he make a gut move or something like that because you know this reliever just doesn't have it right now. And you get him out early or you see your starter. They've been there behind the plate catching the ball and interacting with the pitcher on every pitch, kind of watching their mannerism, things like that. So I feel like catchers always kind of know when to pull the hook and, and make those kind of moves as far as – you know, you might just, it might be a feel thing, but they're seeing something that we're not. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me who among the current Braves would make the best manager, no doubt my mind B-Mac. is Brian Mack. Yeah. yeah. Brian McCann would be the best manager to me in yeah, all gonna, aspects that it involves. He's going to be on the couch. <laughs> he's going to be yeah, a special. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's made too much money to want to yeah. be and has little kids and yeah. wouldn't want to do it anytime special soon. Special assistant so. that comes around, makes everybody laugh and gives yeah. some pointers but out. If he wanted to do it, he could do a hell of a job doing it. Yeah, easy, easy. All right, well, that's it for now. Uh, two more games for the Braves here in Kansas City, then three in Queens to finish this thing out before the real stuff gets going, the second season, if you will. Um, it's kind of nice to be back uh, covering a team and, and talking about a team that uh, looks like it's going to be an established postseason team again for a long time. The Braves, I asked Snit if he feels like he's got the Braves back to the level they used to be on, and he said, we're getting there, and – and it feels good, you know, seeing Snit uh, say things like he said the other day about, you know, he told the team, I don't think he thought it was going to get videoed and put out on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he when he said, uh, you know, we knocked on the door last year. This year we're going to kick that motherfucker in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just think it's cool to see that from Snit, to see, you know, them feel so confident and good about this team going in and, and about the future. Well, I think they do feel really good about it. And I, I kind of think that the underdog uh, – you know, Angle's going to play with them anyway. I think they, I think they're the type of team that can embrace yeah. that because you know yeah. you see all the predictions and nobody's really predicting the Braves getting the World Series. It's Astros, Dodgers, and Yankees, or you know who are, who are the Dodgers going to play type of thing. But right, right, I don't, right. I don't, I don't think it's that Dodgers, simple, yeah. especially you know the attitude this team has and the way they can play. Get Freddie back right, you know they yeah. just got to get him back right for the playoffs at this point, and anything can happen. All right, well, follow us on Twitter, EOF34, DOBrianATL. We'll be back on Friday from New York. And reminder, 755 is real. It's free every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And make sure to catch our athletic exclusives episodes every Friday. These episodes on Friday will not be free, people, but the Tuesday ones will. So we're going to save the good shit for Friday. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have Chris Medlin on soon. So stay tuned for that announcement. 
All right, that's it. We're out of here. 755 is real. We'll talk to you again on Friday. All right, see you.